What's going on, everybody? Welcome and thank you for joining us for anything and everything rock and roll. Of course, with a little bit of ADD. Anyway, I'm Zach. I'm TJ. And I'm Robin. And you're listening to Rock Detention. I don't feel tardy. Gentlemen, how are we? Always good. I don't, know hey, what, boys. I don't know what the heck this thing was, but I was like, I'm Robin, and I'm like, what am I holding? Except, like, what am I doing? <laughs> what what say, you got we, in that right hand? I don't know. Well, right now, we, it's hot yeah. chocolate. We almost got through that one. All the way through. With no mistakes. I thought it went great. Yeah. I was really impressed. And then, and then Robin had to call himself out. Yeah, I had to. I was like, what am I doing? Anyway. See, I would have never said anything had you not been milking the air. People have. <laughs> That's a Hufflepuff for you. Oh, God. Pugglemuff. Um. People have been telling me that forever. It's like, don't draw attention to the things you do. No one will notice. I keep doing it. It's all good. It's part of what makes you you, and I think it's amazing. I have a, I have a joke. You want to hear a joke? Because <laughs> you, just, you just reminded me. Okay, what am I doing? All right, wait, wait, wait one second. What? I don't want to mess this up. I, I don't want to mess I, this I, up. I think it's already... Wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> my Uncle Steven told me this joke. All right, what am I doing? Milking a cow. Yes. Okay. This is utterly ridiculous. Keep going. <laughs> okay, so so what, is, what am I, I doing now? I, I don't know. Milk, milking a bunch of cows in a row? It's, it has something to do with that. Seven it's maids of milking. Eight close. maids of milking. Ready? Here's the answer. It's pasteurized milk. Get it? Pasteurized? Oh, my God. Okay. Okay, back to the drawing boards on that one. <laughs> Uncle Steven, they don't like your joke. And with that, we lost all our followers. <laughs> wow, we went down to <laughs> two people watching. Listen, pirate jokes and dad jokes is it's, all I've got. Yeah, I know. I'm with you. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. How's everyone's week going? What have y'all been up to? TJ, um, I interrupted you earlier, so you... No, that's fine. Just keep doing it. That's yeah, fine. We'll get to you in Whatever. a second, but... World Series is on. It's all good. Sweet. Who's winning? The Rays by one, as of this sentence. That's great, man. Congrats. That's your team, right? That's my team. Cool. And Robin, I actually saw Robin today. Yeah, we listened to uh, we listened to my new single. And it's rocking, man. It's uh, it's almost there. It's almost it's almost done. But few few tweaks well, and we'll be good. But yeah. Thanks for sharing with me. Uh, before we go any further, boys, I got some bad news. What? Remember my streak of everyone following and liking me? It was dead even. Someone oh, follows no. me. Someone follows me and doesn't like me. Wow. So I... they follow me, but they don't like me. Dicks. So I don't I know if that's it's... a good or bad thing. I think it's time that you take the page down. It's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> just give up. It's it's over. It was a good run while it lasted. Absolutely, guys. I've got to tell you, I have been looking forward to tonight since last Wednesday. Um, I had a blast. We had our first um, guest last Tuesday, and tonight we have our second guest, a dear friend of mine, Mr. Ryan Hayes. He's going to be joining us, and uh, I I'm really excited. And uh, uh, Robin, why don't you tell everybody why I'm so excited? And also, TJ. I think TJ's excited for the same reasons. Uh, so apparently it's going to be a... a, a debate battle royale between myself and and ryan uh, battle of 2020 oh, because, first fight on the podcast oh, oh boy 
Um, yeah, we're uh, we're taking a little bit of a. I mean, last week was a was a serious a, a serious topic, um, but uh, yeah, this one's another kind of more serious topic. We're talking about streaming services and record labels, the pros and cons, and what that's all about, and how that affects us as musicians, and um, you know. I'm on the side of I don't like streaming services and I do like record companies uh, and Ryan loves streaming services and has had bad experiences with record companies. So we're going to we're going to see we're going to see if uh, uh, he can't change my mind or maybe I can't change his or ah, I don't know. we're going to have a, we're going to have a really good discussion about it. That's that's what we're going to do tonight. Um, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I got to say I'm a little bummed. Um, so I, w I got a little crafty today, and you can't see it, but I made an RD logo. I can see on, it. On... <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, it's reversed. It's backwards. I didn't realize that was going to happen on the camera. Um, so that kind of bummed me what out. Are you I might... about? It's not reversed. It That's says good RD. For us. Yeah. It's probably reversed for you. Yeah. Oh, y'all can see it in. Yeah. yeah. Skype flips the camera. You're just missing some, uh, like, black light paint. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I am. That makes me a lot happier. And then also, um, I have to give a shout out to Schechter. Um, that is uh, uh, a Schechter that I don't think the world has ever seen. Uh, that's kind of been hiding. So, uh, so it's one of my Schechters right there in pink by Mr. Jason Overly. He painted it out of Vegas. He does all of uh, uh, Five Finger Death Punches, guitars, and uh, John Five. And anyone who has a cool paint job on the guitar, probably did it. Just, didn't, uh, didn't the guitar player of Five Finger Death Punch just leave the band? Yes, yes. I, I just heard about that. Yeah. I, I think it was about a month or two ago. Um, I was that blindsided me. I was not expecting that. Yeah, I, I don't even know why he left. I just know that he left. So, hmm. um, but yeah. So, do we want to just get Ryan in here already? Yeah. And uh... that was a perfect time to go. Without further ado, <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my dear friend from Righteous Vendetta, Mr. Ryan Hayes. Oh, hey, guys. What's Yay. Up, man? Yay. What's up, brother? How are it. you? Man, I thought I was going to be late, man. I was rushing here. From where? The other room. <laughs> <laughs> where are you right now? Are you in Phoenix? <laughs> no, I'm in <laughs> I'm in Nowheresville, uh, Montana. I'm in Coal Strip, Montana, actually. I, I don't even know what that means. I've never well, heard of it's, cold it's a new, They have internet here now, so I was able to do this, um, which just is cool. Got it yesterday. <laughs> yeah, they just put in the wire. Have you seen those AOL discs? We just got one of those. <laughs> man, they I had have... this thing called dial-up, and I was like, yeah, I'll take it. I'll use that. That's fine. Oh, man. I remember dial-up. Those were the days. Dude, do you remember the noise? It was like... And you were like waiting to just get yeah. on the internet. But there was no such thing and then, as being on AIM in the middle of the night. No. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and I, then even I if you wanted those, to Google search, it just took hours. I remember those three images that came up with like across yeah. the screen with AOL. Um, and I just, it just sounded like a fax machine the whole time on my computer. It's just like that. <laughs> you know, that noise. And, and you get these three things. And I remember just more often than not, it'd get to the third image and then it would just not work. I'm like, yeah, and then when it finally did it, you're like, welcome, you've got mail. You're like, come on. Yes. Dude, I didn't, I wasn't an AOL guy, man. I was MSN Messenger. I didn't AOL. Oh, I had both. Lame. I yeah, played I the I, field. Yeah. I think I had both. I, I, I guess I missed it. I missed the window. 
AIM was where it's at. Dude, they well, I was from Wyoming, so everything was like three years late to where I from where I lived. <laughs> uh, didn't they bring AIM back? AOL I just barely heard about Lincoln Park, so. <laughs> Have you all heard of this Lincoln Park band? They're great. Man, we were just They're talking awesome. about them today. My roommate and I were talking about them and Limp Biscuit. Dude, I don't care what anyone says. Limp Biscuit has the greatest guitarist of all time. Uh, I, I don't okay. know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, really know anything about him. I know it? he's kind of creepy looking. Oh, that's. Rude. Oh yeah, for sure. They no, all I mean, he, he intentionally did that. Like he 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 would like paint himself. Guess who's not really going to be on the podcast now? Because Robin made fun of him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My eleven-year-old self was creeped out. You said. Yeah, I love Limp Biscuit, man. Now you're bringing 11-year-olds into this? Dude, come on. Now they're especially not going to do the podcast. Oh, great. <laughs> Who's the creep now? Anyway, <laughs> Ryan, I'm very, very... We are all very excited that you're here. And, um, I, I mean, I, I I don't even know where to begin. I mean, the, everyone gets the gist of this, you know. Y'all are basically on polar yeah. opposite ends of, of your belief system, Um as far sure. as streaming and record labels go. Um, yeah. Robin, do you have any like specific questions you want to start with, or do you just want Ryan to tell his story? Uh, my opening remarks for this debate <laughs> shall be... Uh, no, I don't, ha I don't have any. Um, no, actually, Mike, um, I have certain questions, but I, I do think that it would be much uh, much more entertaining and, and, and I think better for the conversation to just start with Ryan and sure. his story with the record company. So, um, yeah. Sure. This is me eating popcorn, so, if anyone asks. Yeah, Zach, it's, it's going to be popcorn. great. I'm going to take you guys on a great story. It's not called Not popcorn, so great Zach. for me. It's raw corn, I know. <laughs> um, that's funny. Country corn, uh, that's great. Anyway, <laughs> I will preface my entire, all my stories with this. Um, my experience with record labels, I would say, is probably the worst that people can have. Um, everybody's heard horror stories. Um, and I know there are good stories, but this is just my experience. And, and this is probably on the, on like a scale of one to 10, 10 being the worst. We were leaning toward the 10 side way more than the other side. We, we saw zero benefits and all the worst things from it. So I will preface it with that. Um, we kind of, it was just a bummer for us right from the beginning. Um, so I've been signed to three record deals so my first record label was an indie an indie record label um just called red cord records tiny little label they they were distributed by victory so we kind of had that going for us when victory records was kind of on the when they had like a day to remember mm -hmm. and you know those bigger bands we signed that deal uh they they like we were dumb and young kids uh, at the time. So they basically like stole $60,000 from us and then ran, shut down the business and we never saw it. Um, and that was just in royalties and, and all those things. So that was our first experience. And we were like, well, that sucked. Let's go try to sign another deal. <laughs> you know, maybe it'll be better. And so then we end up, uh, meeting, um, Century Media Records, uh, which is Robert Kampf, um, you know, European label been around for forever. The, the biggest, I would say like, metal label in the world or at least at a time question thank you thank you uh i'm, I'm a big fan by the way uh so is <laughs> century <laughs> that was kind of funny thank you but i am a big fan um century is a subsidiary of sony correct 
Yeah, so at the time when we signed, they were not. Okay, right on. Yeah. Okay, carry on. So, yeah, so we signed with Century Media, and we... They had this weird thing where they were like, we like your old music, but none of your new music right off the bat. And we were recording new music at the time, and every time we'd send them a song, they hated it. They were like, ah, oh, no, it's just not it. So they ended up releasing all the songs we had already released again because I don't know. But that's what they decided to do. And all our fans were like, why would you release the same thing over? Because to them, you know, to us, it's like we've already released this to the label. It's like new, quote unquote. But to all our fans, they're like, this is the stupidest thing ever. Why would you re-release music you've already released? So that's how that started off. So uh, then we start recording. In 2015, we start recording what would be our debut record on Century Media, quote-unquote. And it was supposed to be called Not Dead Yet. Um, We wrote 21 songs for that record, I think. Um, And they told us that they were the worst songs they had ever heard written in their entire careers. They were, they told us they were like one of the product managers was crying at her desk. The record was so bad. That's how, like she was like crying apparently. And I, I can relate. So we were like, after I heard it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. I was crying cause it was so bad. So we're going through this whole situation. We are in this studio. This record label has already spent, uh, I think they spent $40,000 on that album of their own money, like paid for it. They got it back and they went, this is awful. You're going to have to write any record. So they, for three, two years, almost three, they, they were having us travel back and forth to Los Angeles on our, not paying for it. We had to pay for the gas. We had to pay for our food. And they would tell us they would pay us stipends, but they would be like, we would send in a budget and they'd only approve a quarter of it. So we'd be like, we, they're like, we need you in LA for two weeks. We'd be like, okay, well, we need $50 a day for food per person, you know, like a normal amount of money. And luckily sure. we knew people. So we, we had places to stay, but we could have been like, yo, we need hotels too. You know, that's a hundred bucks a day. So yeah. we would send them like, we'd be like, dude, it's two weeks. We need 1500 bucks. They would be like, we'll approve you for 500. And that's gassed for us to drive there. They wouldn't fly us. They wouldn't fly us. We did that for two years. We wrote songs with, I would say, 25 different people. All of them were, it was all a joke. Like, there was like two guys that we wrote with that were like, actually like at our level of writing and producing. And we were like, what is going on? None of the songs ever got used. And we probably did 65 songs in that chunk of time in LA. And not one, except one of them, got used on the album and it wasn't a song we even wrote and so whose we, choice we were that? like going in debt yeah who's the, the this... record label okay yeah they they wouldn't they basically would like threaten us they'd be like well if you don't come down and write these songs you're never gonna have a record come out and you're just gonna sit on the label and never do anything that's what they would threaten us with so they would make us they would leverage our uh, hunger as artists to be successful to get us to spend our own money to come to LA to write with people who literally were worse at writing than we were. And somehow they've, they convinced us <laughs> that it was a good idea. <laughs> it never was. It was a complete joke. So we did it. And in the end, the songs they ended up picking were the songs that we had written 
pretty much before we ever even went to LA. That's true. I, I have a question. Except for the one. Yeah. Was was it just you and Justin going out at this time? Or was it the whole band going? Yes. No, Which it was one? just two of us. Okay. Me and Justin. Well, at least it was two. I mean, dude, can you imagine having to do a five hundred dollar bill for five dudes for two weeks? Oh no. yeah, for That's sure. I mean, ridiculous. But do the math on that. Like, even five hundred bucks for two people for two weeks is, is like not enough in a in a in a an expensive city for this record label that's supposed to be believing in you and investing in you. They couldn't even pay for us to drive. Like we should have just been like, yo, you're flying us and you're putting us up at the Hilton. But they didn't. And that gets to the next point of during this process, when we were with Century Media, Sony bought Century Media. And Century Media had promised us, I can't get into too much details on the record deal, but they had promised us a lot of different money allocations for like touring and stuff. And Sony saw the deal and goes, why in the heck is this band? Why are, why do you want us to sign it, keep this band on the label since Sony bought it? So they convinced them because they didn't want to break the contract that they needed to keep Righteous Vendetta. So now Sony thinks that we're a joke. I mean, Sony was just like, this is the stupidest thing ever. So we're getting treated like absolute dump, like so bad because no one cares. Like they say they like us, but no one at the record label likes us. So who pays for that? We do in the form of, you know, having to pay just for us to go down and record a record. Like it costed me money to go record a record for them that they were going to keep every single royalty on for the, for the last, since 2017. So three years, it costed me money to, to get them a record that they got paid for. <laughs> Dude, I am, I, I'm in shock right now because I don't think I, I knew I knew a lot of this, but I this is some new information for me. Uh, Robin, what are your your current yeah. thoughts at, so far? I'm sure there's more to the story. Um, I mean, currently, absolutely. I mean, everything he's listed is everything that my music business teachers and and people that I've known in 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 the industry they've all said the same thing. So, um, I I played it with a group here in in uh, Austin by the name of Alpha Rev. And uh, I won't go into it's it's not my place to tell Casey, who's the, the leader of that group. It's not my place to tell his story. But um, I remember that when he was he had told me that when they were doing uh, their big record, they had they had signed to Hollywood. And when they did their big record, um, uh, which is called New Morning, they uh, they had recorded a whole nother album and had a very similar instance of like they turned the album in and the record labels like, no where where's the single where's the hit you know things like that and it's just mm -hmm. i mean i i can bet that that just fucked with your head really bad you know going through all of that oh yeah i mean they told us i mean the entire process or like we don't have the single we don't have the single and then they'd be like oh yeah we actually do have the single and i i had people i i, I remember i was in las vegas um uh, with uh one of the head uh um um, not program director, but the voices at Octane. Mm -hmm. You probably, you guys know Shannon Guns, I'm sure. We were in Vegas and we were talking, and I was showing her some of the new songs. And I showed her a certain song that we had written that the label told us was absolute garbage. Like, like I, I still have the emails. I actually kept all of them. And I remember having a meeting with the label, and I said, I'm going to keep this email that that I sent as a, as I told you so 
when when what you guys have chosen to do was the complete wrong answer for the single. I'm going to keep it. And I actually sent it to them uh, after the, sing the single they thought was going to be the single flopped. It was the one song on the record we didn't write. One of the least successful songs we've ever had with the most money behind it. We did better when we were independent than they did with it with $50,000 at radio. Y'all, that's what I'm telling you. Those people, record labels don't know what they're talking about. Anyway, I showed her the song, our song, not the one the label wanted. And she was like, oh, that's the single for sure. I, she works at Octane. She's a voice of Octane. She's like, this is the one. And I was like, yeah, I agree. And even she was like on our side. And they went against everybody. They went against everybody. And they were wrong. They wasted a ton of money on something that we told them from the very beginning was a joke. Zach? Hello. Still a big fan. Um, so, <laughs> please, I am seeing, at least for the, well, the single's already been released. Will it ever go on to an album? Maybe. The single that we're talking about? Yes. It's on Not Dead yet, Oh, it's, it? no, it's, it's out. It's on the Cursed record. They just chose not to ever give it a push. Oh. Okay. See, yeah. I thought I thought you just released it as a single. I didn't know it, it was on an album as well. Um, yeah, it, it was on the cursed album. Okay. Well, then it's too late for this idea. But I think it would have been awesome if the album artwork was the email of them telling you it's a crap song. Oh, that was that have been an awesome idea. Yeah. Yeah. No, okay. they they ended up keeping that one. Um, we did release uh the song. Actually, it's our number one most played song on Spotify. Um, it's called Kill the Lights. And that was one of the songs from 2015 that they said was an absolute disaster and they were crying over. It's our highest played song. It's had more playlist placements than any song we've ever had. Um, so I, they can do whatever they want with that. <laughs> okay, are they just trying to make you feel bad by saying we're crying or are they just trying to make a point? What's the crying about? The, well, I, I mean, they were probably just being dramatic. Um, Pro probably trying to be coaches on how to like help us get better. I don't know what they were doing. It was just stupid. TJ. Just oh, okay. Sorry. Let's get that. <laughs> it's like that. First grade. I got a. I got a good answer. Uh, by the way, Kill the Lights is awesome. If you haven't checked yes, it out, I, I, I like that. Agree. Like going through the catalog. Um, and true story. Back when I was gonna start my own band, that was a name I had for a band name. I was like, Kill the Lights would be a cool band name. Anyways, that's my story. Are you still oh, to it? Well, dang. Thank you, TJ. I'm glad you didn't because then we would have been ripping you off because that was probably before I wrote that song. <laughs> That's why I chose not to. Steel Panther has a song called uh, Turn Out the Lights. Um, it's pretty raunchy, but it's a great song. It's great song. It's all, they're all raunchy. But it's, they are. Okay, sorry. TJ, you look like you could be in Steel Panther. You, you, two people in this chat look like they could be in Steel Panther. Yeah, Robin and TJ. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly what I was yeah. thinking. Well, I was thinking me, me and Robin. Yeah. You two don't yeah. really. Well, in fairness, I mean, <sighs> you just put on the wig, it'd be the same thing. Only one person is Steel Panther. Who's the one with the actual No. Uh -huh. is, it, is it? Michael Starr. Oh, okay. The singer. Yeah. No way. Yeah. yeah. I it blew my Dude, mind. that blows too. my mind. It blew my mind. I didn't want to believe it. And then I was like, oh. I'm just surprised oh. that the, the bass player's hair is not real. I mean, he loves it so much he's always like brushing it on stage i'm just like it's not it's a wig what yeah i i, I tried to deny it for too long and then i found out and i was like oh, no 
Yeah. So I still Dude, believe. I still. Cool. I did not I, know that. I still believe it's real to this day. I don't care. I don't know if that band's actually like cool to me anymore. Now that I know that. Oh, <laughs> yes. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, who doesn't love steel we panther? love steel panther i'll tell you what man i yeah. met uh uh um why am i blanking on his name space player lexi, Fa- lexi fox lexi fox um what what's his name y'all know his name the bass player his travis. actual name oh yeah. yeah yeah his name's travis um i met him um at the nickelback concert and he has like super short did. hair super tatted up he like he he looks like a badass even not dressed up as Lexi Fox. Yep. That's the end of my story. Cool. Well, I, I've, I've, I have that's no, awesome. I have no, no stories of Steel Panther. So. <laughs> we no, I've never seen them live, yet, actually. anyways. They're, they're very, very good live. I saw them a few times. And that, they get a little, it's like a stand-up comedy and a rock show, all in one. Yeah. And Satchel's solos while he's playing the drums, unbelievable. Dude. Dude, so good. So good. And before we Zach, you probably much. saw them a million times when you lived in Vegas. I opened up for them twice. Maybe three really? times. Really? Yeah. Impressive. Who with? Yeah. At the House of Blues, mm. great venue. Didn't you play House of Blues in Vegas? Uh, No, Hard Rock. Right on. The, uh, da- the Hard Rock on uh, Las Vegas Boulevard, the one right downtown. Um crazy yeah for everybody who doesn't know i actually met ryan in las vegas at the coolest rock club um vamped you remember that night dude you were on tour with dude. like a storm so fun yep that's where we met Vinny. from yeah. hell yeah at that's, least me absolutely and and then you got on tour with hell yeah and that's how you met mm-hmm. christian and we had christian on last week it's a yep. small world. So you know? there's a connection here. Okay, I'm getting it now. Yeah. <laughs> he knows Christian. H- how yeah. long was that tour that you were on? Like three or four months? No, it wasn't that long. It was like maybe a month and a few days. Yeah, I think it was 19 shows, 20 shows. Hey, that's a that's a good chunk. Yeah. That was awesome. One of the best tours of my whole life, man. We had a blast. I bet, man. The, the last show... Uh, was our drummer's birthday, his 21st birthday, and he got to go hang out with Vinny on the bus, and Vinny and him did a shot for, for his 21st birthday. 21 shots? <laughs> <laughs> the only person uh, who could survive that's Vinny himself. Probably. No. Dude, <laughs> Goggins is only 21. Was at the time, so now he's 23. <laughs> 20. I didn't do oh, sorry. I'm, I, I'm bad at math. It's 24. <laughs> Okay, man. Just yeah, he's a, a little musician. kid, man. Wow, he's great, dude. He joined us. He he joined RV when he was sixteen. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's his, crazy. I, his uh, his the day he graduated for supposed to graduate from high school, he played Rock on the Range. It was awesome. The wow. Day, the day he was supposed to graduate, so he played that instead of walking. <laughs> I had done the same. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Now, now I'm super jealous. And he sent a sent a picture to all his friends of him like on stage. It was like ten thousand people, and he was like, "Happy graduation day, guys." That is that guy is my hero. That is awesome. He got his diploma though, right? Yeah, barely because I would have to. I remember he'd be in the clubs we were playing, and he'd be doing his homework at the bar, like on his computer doing his online homework. 
And the rule was that his dad said he could go on tour as long as he was passing. And he started failing. And we were on tour. I don't even know who we were with. Some bigger band. And his dad called me and he's like, he has D's. If I see one F pop up on this report card, he's flying home, like in the middle of this tour. So I remember like walking through the clubs and I'd be like, are you doing your homework? Please do your homework. <laughs> Bro, okay. Dude, it, it it was, I cannot imagine having to do homework on the road because I, I remember there was a tour I did uh, with a band called, mm, mm, I was playing with, name. yeah, it, it's just a bunch of exclamation points <laughs> uh, uh, with uh, that weird upside down uh, at the end. Anyway, uh, I was doing, it was with uh, uh, conflict, conflict of interest. I was playing with conflict of interest, my bro, Mike Stanley, and we were on tour with Adelita's way. And I remember we had a homecoming set, not at a high school, a homecoming meaning at the end of the tour, we ended it in Las Vegas, which was where I was at at the time. Right. And uh, we were the headliner. So we had to we had to stack our set. So our set with Adelita's was like six tunes. uh, But I think we have nine or ten tunes when we got back. And I remember having to learn four extra tunes uh, two of which were covers, one of which was uh, Walk by uh, uh, Pantera. And for those of you who don't play guitar, not an easy song to learn or play. On top of that, it's hard. It's it's in a weird in-between tuning. Like, it's not exactly, uh, it, it's not a half step down or a full step down. It's like in-between. So it's a tough to- song to learn. And there's a point to this story. The point of the story is, I was having to do homework on the road. It was learning tunes. And and that was, it was hard because you wanted to be partying with your boys, you know? Uh, so mm-hmm. the fact that he did homework on the road, God bless him. Uh, I know how difficult that yeah. must have been. Um, I don't know. If Sorry for the story. It's fine. I, was, I, got, I got my own. Um, well, it's not my story. But uh, so one of my favorite bands is a band called Eve Six. And when they signed their record deal, oh, yeah. when they signed their record deal, they were still in high school. And I, and I don't know if this is like 100% true, but... I read somewhere that they they had actually a stipulation in their contract that they were not they would not release the album and that the band couldn't do anything until the boys graduated high school. And so like the day that they graduated, oh, yeah. they broke out on tour and were like, you know, and Inside Out became like their big number whatever like top 10 hit and yeah. Yeah. That's insane. I didn't know that. I love that band. Oh god, they're so good. Is uh, that the 1985 album? Robin? Shut up. <laughs> no, no, no. It's I'm blue. That's E6, right? No. I'm blue. Uh, Eiffel 65. <laughs> I knew there was a six. Close. Close. I mean, yeah. started with an E, had a six in it. You know, same thing. Yeah. Hey, Ryan, uh, your background, uh, yeah. you've got a bunch of faders up. Are you just doing that to look cool, or, or is that an actual session up right now? Oh, no, that's a session. Yeah, we were working all day today. Hey, who are you working with right now? So I am working. Uh, yeah, I'm working with a country artist named Jonah Prill. Uh, he's a he's a TikTok star, and we're just writing some tunes with him, getting ready to do an EP. So we've just been writing, um, nothing like on you know paper yet. Uh, but yeah, we're just demoing and writing and getting some tunes ready. Oh man, I, I got to meet uh, Jonah. Yeah. Uh, Pre-COVID, I guess, uh, first week of March when you were in Nashville with him. 
Uh, That's right. That was like right before COVID. Yeah, dude. Uh, like like the South, week before. <laughs> the NBA and South by Southwest was canceled like the same night. We, I remember we were hanging out at that Irish bar so, and you got the text. Yeah, yeah. So I was playing the Houston Rodeo that night. Um, really? Yeah. When we, they announced? Yeah, it's like we were about to go on stage and I'm like – I had been texting a few people because I was I had like eight or nine gigs lined up during South by, and you just get this thing of like South by is canceled, and we're like right mm-hmm. about to go on stage, and my brain just goes, "Oh God, how am I gonna pay my rent?" Because like, I'm like walking on stage <laughs> with my bass, going, "Crap!" I dude, that must have been terrifying. That that is why I, I don't bet. look at my phone before a show. I don't because. It, let's say you're in a fight with with your with your other half or or whatever. You don't want to see bad news right before you get on the show. So I don't look at a, a phone before I get on stage. Yeah, it's true because you owe it to the people that are there to put on the best show you possibly can. So no matter what's going on in your life, your job is to perform for those people. So if there's anything negative on your phone, man, I'm the same way. I just I stay away from my phone. You know, 45 an hour before the set. You have to, dude, because a, a bad text yeah. or finding out something you don't <clears throat> want to know, that can, you know, put a damper on the show. Oh, and cr- audiences are not dumb. They know when something ain't yeah. right. You know? I, yeah. I don't know. This They this, do. This, They'll let you know, too. This this audience <laughs> may... Uh, they were... they were this, this audience was pretty drunk by the time we pretty? started... Pretty drunk by the time we started playing. So were they party and drunk or just party drunk? No, there were some party people, but they, no, they were party drunk. <laughs> like all of them. Uh, party when you're drunk. Like one, like I remember I had a, uh, uh, it was my first night using my wireless connection for my bass. And this guy for like four songs just had this dumbfounded look on his face and just like staring at me. And finally I kind of looked at him like, you, you okay, man? And he goes, I don't understand how you're making noise when there's no cord connecting your bass, man. <laughs> and I was like, I just kind of looked at him and I'm like, you want to try it? And like, I, I brought my bass down and he plucked it. He goes, I just don't get it, man. How's it happening? And I'm like, magic, dude. <laughs> and dude. I just walked away. <laughs> That's like, great. If that puts a, if that, if that tells awesome. you, if that tells you how drunk the crowd was. <laughs> so... Sounds like a little more than just drunk there. Um, I want to play for that crowd. They drunk crowds can it. be amazing, or they can be the worst, man. I don't know. Drunk crowds, to me, are like... It's, it can be good, but it can also be bad, man. Yeah. I've seen body parts of women that I didn't want to see, or way human beings should be at shows. They, they showed you the old forearm? <laughs> This is a family-friendly show. I I remember a quote. This, like, 67-year-old woman just straight on just gave me the whole show. And uh, she comes up to us afterwards. She's like, like, she's from, like, the Deep South, where I think we're in Mississippi or Alabama. (laughs) I guess, you know. So she she comes up, like, kind of talks like this, you know, like she's been smoking. And she's like, hey, boys, how you like them titties? We were like, uh, cool. yeah, cool. And she goes, best you're going to see for 60. 
And uh, I hope y'all were nice. <laughs> oh, we were super nice. Yeah, of okay. course. We were like nice young men, and we were like res- respectful. But we were, we were also like, whoa, are you gonna buy a CD or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're or we're, we're in debt here. Uh, you know, with the record label, uh, are you gonna buy a CD? What are, I, what are you doing here? I wouldn't have known. Those what were to great, say. but you gotta buy. You gotta buy something. Yeah, I would have been like, I mean, oh, those were lovely. Thank you. I mean, what do you? What are you saying? Yeah, it's like, well, it's like I have nothing to compare them to because I that's never happened. You're but the first sixty-seven-year-old. I mean, I can imagine worse. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you do that? Okay, uh, all right, time out on the playing field. I want to get back on track. That's what I was just uh, about to do. <laughs> okay, so While Robin, do you have your rebuttals or every oh, yeah. any? Well, okay, so I'll, uh, I'll say this. So to get back onto the whole record label discussion here. Um, everything that he's said, I've absolutely, like, I have nothing, I have no argument with that. I've heard horror stories like that. Uh, like, I remember the, um, one of, uh, so, um, some guys that, excuse me, that, uh, um, I grew up watching a band called The Daylights. Um, they had a deal, a record deal with Sony. And I remember one time when I saw them and I asked them about that, it's like, they're like, man, we are hanging on by our fingertips. I mean, it's 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 not pretty. And I mean, they were opening for Katy Perry. They were opening for Need to Breathe. They were opening for One Republic. I mean, they were on the big, uh, uh, the big tours. And they're they're uh, now Grammy award winners. I mean, they're Grammy award winning songwriters now. So it's like these guys like they know what they're doing. And the record deal just. <laughs> I saw that. Uh, the record label just didn't you know, didn't take them seriously. And I mean, I think they have one of the best sounding pop albums of, uh, uh, 2015, I think was when their album came out and it's, it's a great sounding album, but yeah, I mean, everything that you're saying, that's the, that's the terrible side of record labels. Um, and yeah, it, I've always, the way that I always had it explained to me was that record labels are not your saving grace. Like they're not your, uh, they're not your, your, you know, your golden ticket to the to the sweet life um it's like a necessary no evil. that's american idol <sighs> anyways sorry uh it's <laughs> <laughs> a whole nother animal um no I just okay to do so comedic relief yeah definitely so here's what here's what's going to happen when you sign a record deal um if you're a huge artist and you already have clout and leverage obviously it's it's different um, but when you're a young band with a lot of potential and no fans and no, uh, you know, income, they know that and all record deals, all of them, at least major deals are designed, um, as Kanye puts it to rape the artist. But, but if, if any of you watch Kanye's new podcast, he talks about universal and record labels. He has the same opinion as I do. Um, they're designed that way. And quite literally, so they are going to spend a certain amount of money. So let's say um, your band signs, and they're gonna they're gonna give you a million dollar budget. They're gonna break up one hundred and fifty thousand of that is gonna go toward recording the record. Okay, one hundred and fifty grand there. Uh, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars is gonna go toward radio. Uh, you know, forty five thousand is gonna go toward music video, and they break it up. You know, here's the million dollar budget. Here's how we're breaking it up, and here's how you're gonna pay it back. So what they do. 
they sign you, they they lend you all this money. I like to call record. They're just a bank. They're a shitty bank. That's really all they are. Mm-hmm. They lend you all this money to do all these things, and they have all the people to make these things happen. That is the key. They do have the people to make you big, okay? Um, but what they do is they spend this money, and then they're, they're like, all right, we're going to do an 87-13 split, 13-year way, 87-hour way. But that 87-13, what they don't tell you is that the 13% that is yours goes back to paying the label back for what you owe them. So if you spend a million dollars, say your first year you made a million dollars, they're going to take 13% of that million dollars, so $130,000 that you made that year, and that's going to go toward your recoup. The other 87% that they made, the other $870,000 – pocket but it does go toward your recoup only the 13 percent that's yours does that make sense yeah so they made their money back they've their return on investment has already happened but they're making only the 13 percent that's yours go back to recouping so they pocket 870 grand and only put 130 of that back toward what you owe them and yeah. that's how they get you so, so they get so they get you into the next re- album cycle they double dip that's all it is yeah and and it's like they're 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 making so much money and the artist never has a way to get out because by the time the next record cycle comes around they've made their money back so they're like oh man we're just spending money we already have let's double the budget we're gonna go bigger we're gonna go way bigger this time we're gonna spend six ten million on this record they spend 10 million they do the same thing and now you're deeper in the hole than you were on your 13 percent recoup and then they just it buries gets deeper and deeper and deeper. You can never get out. So, you have to fulfill the contract, and by the end of it, they've made millions and millions of dollars. So have uh, have you seen the movie Artifact by Thirty Seconds to Mars? They're a little documentary. Absolutely, Jared Leto. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's like, it's amazing. Yeah. It, it, it's a huge insight into this crap. Yeah. If, yeah. If if nobody's seen that, um, whether or not you're a Thirty Seconds to Mars fan or anything, uh, um. That's yep. an incredible documentary because he gets a bunch of the actual execs to talk and they spill the beans on a lot of stuff. And it's a really, really great right. insight into the, into the and it's, dirtiness. It's crazy this. how, it's crazy how we call it spilling the beans because this stuff is in plain sight. Like it happens all the time. People know it's no, everyone knows record labels suck, but we all like pretend like they don't. And we're like, Oh, I'm going to sign a record deal. Fully well knowing that they're ripping artists off like crazy. And most of these people that run these record labels know nothing about music. Nothing. They can't tell you anything about songwriting. They can't tell you anything about writing a song, music, nothing. So it's, it's funny. They just sit behind a computer and tell you it's good or bad. It's funny that you mentioned that because um, uh, this is where uh, Zach and I have a difference of opinion with the machine as we both call it, um, where I am like completely and utterly against the machine. I don't like this, this process, like it needs to sound like this and here's what your song needs to talk about and this kind of thing. I think there's a place for it. And I think there's really good songs that come out of it. Um, but I, I just Mm -hmm. never liked that thing, but I do respect someone like Zach who, um, who, who is, diving headfirst into it in Nashville. I respect that um, because I, I'm too, 
I'm too much of an individualist. I'm too, I'm too proud of what I do to go and yeah. listen to someone else go, yeah, uh, this isn't what we want. We want you to dress like this and, and, and play this song. It's like, ugh. Uh, Zach, you've had you had your hand up twice now, so thank you, thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, let me rewind for ten seconds. Yeah. Uh, please do not um, go into depth, Ryan. I just real quick the eighty-seven thirteen thing you were talking about for our viewers who don't know much about record labels. Um, is that a pretty standard number? Every, obviously, every record deal is different. But but from what you've seen from from y'all's deals and from I know you have a lot of friends with record deals, um, what what is a very what is a common number that you see a split that you see? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know a ton of I haven't seen a ton of record deals, but from what I understand and talking to other people, eighty seven thirteen give or take five to ten on either side, right on somewhere okay. around there. Uh, yeah. I I just wanted to clear that up for for people who don't know yep. anything about that uh and on what robin said uh first of all thank you for the kind words robin i do appreciate it rock and roll we may disagree but i respect you hey it's all good uh uh i am i am fully i mean obviously i i, I love individuality i love uh you know i i love 80s metal i dress 80s metal and i play 80s metal but when it comes to to music i mean it it's I don't disagree with the machine, you know. I I think that uh, uh, there's a reason songs get on the charts and, and they're catchy. They feel it's good. And, and... By the machine. The machine. <laughs> it's, the yeah, machine. it's a conspiracy, man. It's a conspiracy. Uh, I, I actually, I here is here is where I actually agree with Robin. Um, it is a machine and it's a club. And if you're not in it, you're not in it. And it's a bunch of people who control everything. Um. And that's how it is. What our job is as artists is to find where we fit into that because there are people who take on the machine and beat it um, that get Tom huge Petty. and make a ton of money and do it do it independently. Tom Petty or um, uh, Dave Matthews Band. You know, yeah, they're a great one. example. Yeah. Um, they bypass the machine. And you do have those anomalies. But for people like me or, or, or like Zach or even you, Robin – if you can find a way to fit into that machine and do very well at what you love, then maybe that's a good trade-off. Maybe it's maybe it's like, okay, well, I get to go yeah. to work every day and I get to write songs that maybe I necessarily don't love and they're telling me what to do. But because I go and do that, I still like it, but then I get to have the freedom to do music every day, all day, and still do my own thing. Yeah, well, John Mayer said it And best. so when you can find that, yeah, I agree with you. When you can find that, I mean, it's like it's like a cherry thing. Uh, John Mayer said it best. He goes, "I had to make the two, the first two pop records before I could ever do, you know, the blues albums and the trio albums and and all of that." And it just, you know, he just happened to write two really great pop albums. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, yeah, he even you... said it. He's like, "You have to kind of like, it's this, you know, dance monkey dance for just a little bit until you get that little bit of pull." And then they'll let you do your own yeah. thing, um, and I and I definitely yep. see that side of things. Um, so uh, I'm not. I guess my reasoning behind why I personally want to get a record deal at some point would be because of what you said earlier. They have the people to make that happen, um, you know. And I don't have a team of people. I have me, and like, yeah, that's about it so you know my, my yeah. parents help me with what they can 
but they've got a business of their own to run. So, um, sure. It, yeah. It's so that's, that's, my yeah, and it's, I don't think I'd want to sign a major label deal though. Um, cause that, I, I don't yeah, think I mean, a point in it. I mean, especially for, if you're trying to be an artist, man, they're not going to let you be an artist. They're yeah. business people. They right. sell music. Their job is to sell music. If you don't make music that they can sell, they don't like you. <laughs> they don't care. Um, so, I mean, you basically have to bow to them and do what they say or they wreck your music career because they won't let you do anything else. Right. They'll just keep you in that record deal and you're exclusive to them. So anything you go out and work on is theirs. If they want it, they, they have first rights to everything you do. And so if you don't fulfill that contract, you're stuck, 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 yeah. stuck. Um, so it's like basically they get you in a corner and – you know, you do what they say or you lose your career. It's up to you, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's, it's dirty, man. It's, it's brutal, but they do have the money and they do have the people. So if, if you're, if you want to be that big artist, you want to be on the big stages and you want to, you don't care about the money and you just want to play shows and be on a big stage, then a record label might be for you. But if you want a, a career that's, that you have longevity, because uh, you could sign a major deal and most, you only hear about 7% of the artists that actually go big. The other 93% of them never go anywhere, never have careers in music because they're signed to the label. They can't do anything. Bye. Yeah. Um, so, it, it, you know, you want to take the risk. Could I be the next superstar? Maybe. But if you're not and you're stuck on a record deal, then what? You know? Yeah. Walmart's calling. You know, McDonald's is calling. It's a big risk. Um, so... But they do. They have the the tools to do it, and I would say they're the only people that have the tools to do it, and they know that. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's hard because you know all the labels are buddy buddy with Spotify, all the labels are buddy buddy with iTunes. They're all friends. Yeah. It's no joke that like certain artists get certain things that are on certain labels. There's no question to that. So if you don't, if you're not with the label that knows them, you're not really in the club, and you know. It's just how it is. Yeah. And I see it every day now, you know, that I'm not on, on Sony. We're in a very, you know, particular situation with Righteous Vendetta where we came off of getting all those benefits with the Spotify playlist and stuff mm -hmm. to where now we get those playlists without having someone liaison us to those playlists because we already did in the first place. Right. So it's almost like Spotify is running uh, an automated robot that sees our stuff and they're like, oh, they were on this playlist last time. Well, we're just going to put their new song on this playlist. Nice. Like, and we didn't do anything. So we're kind of riding the coattails of what Sony did for us as far as playlists and things like that. So that's, and that gets us into our next point of, of streaming, yeah, uh, was, streaming services. I was going to say, but you brought it, you, now you're bringing um, up streaming services and, and this is, this is something where we, yeah, it's like I see the pros of streaming services, but I don't. As of right now, most people that I've talked to, it, it, you can't make a living off of streaming services. And then I met sure. you. I will say this. <laughs> yeah, I will say this. I will preface this with streaming services do not pay enough. They don't. I completely agree with that. They need to pay artists more. The CEO of Spotify is worth like million like billions. ten hundreds of millions billions. of dollars he's like he's like Bill, oh, yeah. yeah maybe it billions. is billions. yeah not okay i agree but yeah. and he's, I will young, say, he's younger than he's spotify he's younger than me. single sure and that's crazy yeah it really is it 
artists need to be paid more. I will say that. Uh, I, I, I completely agree, which is good I for too me. I, I'm will say that. To get paid more. So. I agree. Yeah. Because without us, none of them have a job. Right. Exactly. Which is what we were talking about earlier yeah, no. with, the, with the Music Modernization Act. Um, now I apologize. I, yeah. I kind of interrupted you several times in your train of thought, so I'll let. Oh, you you're continue. fine. Um, but uh, but yeah, it brings it. That's what the. Um, that's what the. For those of you that don't know, um, the the Music Modernization Act was a a, a bill that passed. I'll, I'll give a very terrible, s- brief description of this thing. It was a. Um, it was a. It's it's overall it's called the Music Modernization Act. It was broken up into uh, it's a bill that was passed that had three bills within it. Um, and there's the Music Modernization Act, which is what streaming deals with streaming services, basically making uh, even in the playing field, you know, saying like, here's how much you need to be paying artists. We put together a council to uh, we put together a council or of why is my mic quieter. Um, they put together like a, a council within the copyright office to make sure that royalties and everything were uh, paid evenly. And um, it uh, basically got the streaming services in line and uh, on the same page. Cause beforehand it was streaming services were they could choose what they wanted to pay you. So Apple paid one thing, title paid one thing, Spotify paid one thing. And so now it's all bringing it into the same playing field. Um, the, Second one was uh, the the Classics Act uh, that deals with um, copyright going back over seventy five years and stuff, uh, and then the third one was the uh, uh, the AMP Act, which got producers of uh, got, uh, gave the producers and engineers royalties within all of that. Um, so uh, that's that's in essence what the Music Modernization Act did, and they did that in two thousand eighteen was when that passed. So that that definitely was a big leg up for the artists um, because that council, that sure, they which put is together, amazing. Yeah. Because that council that they put together is actually, it, run it's amazing people. to have people actually advocating for artists now. Well, to have someone advocating for artists because no one ever does. Well, and one of the, one of the big things about the bill was, uh, and I know we said early, early on that, that there's no politics in this. So the one thing that I would say political was that uh, the, that was a completely it was it was like almost unanimously bipartisan like all sides of of the senate the house and the executive branch you know were like yep absolutely and signed it and and you know here we are it's still not perfect there's still a lot of work to do but it was definitely a major step in the right direction and when that got signed it changed my opinion of streaming services because before that i was like screw it i'm not putting my music up there because i'm not going to see a dime of it for years um if ever Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, so I'll, I'll back it up a little bit. So I I've lived through the era. I started my band in 2008. It's 2020. So I've, I've been here for two, for 12 years, almost, almost 13. Um, I, we started our band when MySpace was the first thing you created your, your profile on. So <laughs> I, uh, I went through the MySpace era, then Facebook hit all of it. I've been through all those eras. Um, not to say that it's like crazy how long I've been around, but I've been able to experience what it's like to not sell records before streaming when it was about how many records you sold in the first week. I remember my first record label like, you only did this many records this week. This is a failure. And then, you know, we moved into the era of streaming mm-hmm. and I've been around for that entire thing. Mm-hmm. And what I will say is that once streaming came around, it was 
almost exactly the time, you know, I was able to start actually making money in the music industry because not only was I getting paid for obviously albums that I sold at shows, but I didn't have, I could, I could put a song out that generated streams on a, on a, a daily monthly basis. And so it, it gave me a platform where I could, as much as I wanted to release music, I had people that would stream it. And I somewhat give credit to the record label for building that foundation and releasing us from the record deal. We definitely carry that with us, which has been amazing for us to be able to, 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 to work off of and have, Mm -hmm. um, because it makes it to where I can, you know, me and Justin write music every day. It's all we do, whether it's for country or some other band or, you know, uh, universal company that needs something for a NASCAR race, you know, that's what we do all the time. And, and Justin even more than me. And it's because of streaming services and then the fact that we know, okay, this month, you know, we know how our bills are going to get paid because we have this streaming service that's, you know, we know is coming in. It's like, it's almost like having a, a W-2 job where you know you're going to get a paycheck. Yeah. That didn't happen for us when we had to sell records because we didn't sell records. No one bought records. So we had that lull of time when no one bought records. And then streaming came along and it was like, oh, well, I mean, if people are streaming music, then, you know, they're streaming our music. We can make money. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, cause I grew up, both my parents are musicians. And so I grew up around, you know, a generation of musicians that looked at the whole music industry as just a completely different thing. And so when I, <clears throat> and I have to tell myself all the time, it's like, you know, it's not 1982, you know, they, the music industry is completely different. I have to get on Instagram every day if I'm going to be an artist you know, you have to get on Instagram every day. You have to like look at those things and make posts and and uh, be active and and do all these things. And that's sad. It's just, it's like I just, it, I wanna, you, I wanna write. It music takes the and, focus away from art. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, it's yeah. it's it's good to hear that there's, and I know a lot of people that are doing it, but it's always good to hear when people are like, I make a living off of writing and playing music. So because Zach and I were kind of, we were talking about, or I, I said something earlier. Um, I look at so much music stuff on Instagram and I keep seeing all of these artists on Instagram, which like you go to their profile and it'll say, you know, country artist, you know, female, female singer, songwriter, guitar player. And then all you see is just like model pictures of them. And you never see them actually playing their mm-hmm. instrument or singing or doing anything musical. And I see it with, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what gender, what like genre they are. I hardly ever see people on there who are actually showing what they do, which is play music. It's always just like really great right. looking pictures and, oh, they're doing something like it'll be on a, like a really cool boat. And then I showed Zach, there's this one kid, <laughs> uh, there's this one kid out of, uh, I mean, in all honesty, if I'm on a cool boat, I'm putting it on my story. It's true. You probably you probably should. It's, it's a <laughs> of cool course, thing. yeah. yeah. Um, but there's this kid out of New York. He's an 18-year-old jazz drummer, and his name's Grayson, and I can never pronounce his last name, but he's fucking phenomenal. And all he does, every single video that you pull up, it's the same camera angle, and it's just him playing drums, the whole thing. And he's followed by, like, some of the best drummers around the world. And it's like, okay, this kid gets it, you know? 
it's like he's playing his music he's doing his art yeah. he's doing his craft and it's, i don't know instagram is it's such a double-edged sword for me um it's like a necessary evil like a record company i think a record company is a is an unfortunate necessary evil although i with streaming services i will say it's going away i i truly think that that record labels are losing their foothold on a lot of things so yeah i i hope so i mean it's still like i experience it there's tons of playlists that i try to get on and i everyone i talk to like whether it's the country world or the metal world or rock or whatever they're like well do you have someone who can help you get on that playlist i'm like why do i need someone to help me don't they just like music and they pick the songs they like and they're like no 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 that's not how it works it's, you gotta you gotta pay for it you gotta have clout you gotta have somebody that can get you there and it's like well what's the point like yeah i want to be i want more people to hear my music but if i don't know the people that can make more people hear my music how do they hear my music and that's what we have to figure out um and it's hard and it costs a lot of money because now all we can do is post videos and post tiktoks and do all these things but those companies take your videos and suppress them so hard because they want you to spend money to advertise but then you want to advertise you want to even have a little dent you got to spend 500 bucks yeah so it's it, it costs money no matter what no matter what no matter what you try to do mm-hmm. um and there's always exceptions just like anything else you know little nas x yeah. you know there's always exceptions for to the rule um but for the general artists the hundreds you know of thousands of independent artists around the world that are trying to make it happen it's a big big uphill battle yeah and i mean streaming is to me is like a tiny breath of fresh air of like well you know something could happen you know we could get on a playlist you know it's but it's still so hard so difficult yeah it's you gotta love it that's what i tell people they're they're like they're like i want to be in music i'm like man first off you better love music more than anything in the world you have to love it because if you don't you ain't gonna make it yeah because it it's gonna get hard and then once it gets hard it'll get harder and then it'll get harder and it's always hard there's never a time when it's like man i'm just coasting right now this is great you're always like man i I need to write some music i need need to get something out there wow it's been forever since we released a song you know yeah dude you just nailed it on the head man it's there's no such thing as a hobby with music you're either all in or nothing you know it's true it's true you gotta be all in or it will fade you know it'll fade i see it happen all the time friends non-friends bands i used to tour with you know bands i toured with eight years ago all have day jobs all you know aren't aren't involved in music at all yeah and they're okay with that and i'm like well you didn't you didn't love it in the first place or you wouldn't be able to do that yeah sure i can't i can't stop i can't stop there for the rest of my life i cannot stop i can't yeah no and uh because you're a musician you'll figure it out man of course, dude. And I mean, when it's great, it's great, man. You know, when you're on tour oh, and you're yeah. at the top of the whatever that hotel we were at the top of Nashville, drinking old fashions and overlooking the city, like it's nights like that where you're like, oh, okay, yeah. this is pretty freaking awesome. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's it's a. I mean, the highest highs, the lowest lows, um, but the in between is even better. You know, the struggle, and. The things you look back on, you're like, I did that. It makes you appreciate it. Just the to play a definitely show. Makes you appreciate yeah. It. yeah. Yeah. And it's almost the best part to me. 
um because it's all worth it i mean i love music i i would i i would i would give up everything i have you know to, to do me to keep doing music and that's because that's what we did for 13 we gave up our lives we gave up our futures to do music so and who knows what we'll do from here on out man who knows <laughs> but sure. we'll keep doing music yeah good and this was like the nicest boxing match i've ever seen well you were the one that set it up as a boxing match i i, I knew it wasn't gonna be that <laughs> you you did i mean you made the graphic and i, I know i think we're gonna agree on most things that's, that's exactly how i thought i, was <laughs> like... I might be an exception i me might Rob, be an exception to the rule as far as uh you know um our story might be different than most people and that's probably true but it's just my experience and my perspective on how it's helped me yeah um and that's probably so different for so many people um but my my perspective is one of many and people can form their own opinions based on multiple perspectives well and it's it's like i i just i remember distinctly so my music business teacher in college uh was an a and r for geffen records um and i think a and m records as well for a long time i mean he worked with sticks and and that was the one band he kept using because he absolutely hates them so like so he kept using them as (laughs) as the example and um uh so i just remember him telling telling us like over and over again he's like look the record business is like signing a record contract is not your golden ticket it's a business contract like it's a business our job is to make money that's that's what businesses do and so if they Mm -hmm. look at you and go sorry if they look at you and go oh this has potential and then you just happen to sign that contract right as like i think he even he even used this as an example he's like i remember a band getting signed and they were like gonna be this big thing and right when they signed they signed guns and roses like a month later and it's like that band completely mm-hmm. forgotten they're like nope that's the shiny toy band. never heard of them yeah yep. it's just like you yep it's your chance how it works yeah. man so yeah you're you're either you're ba- they they say record labels are like christmas you're either red or you're green red means you don't make money green means you do and at the end of the year if they don't if you're in red bye yeah it's simple as that yeah so side note on Geffen Records. Oh boy. You guys ever you ever heard of uh, Rock City Angels? Mm-mm. I've heard of that. Johnny Depp's old band. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah. R- rumor has it, and I don't know. It's just a rumor, but I heard that they were gonna like Geffen wanted to sign them so they wouldn't do anything to threaten Guns N' Roses, like climb to the top. And there were some crazy conspiracies and stuff, allegedly, that happened with that. And so Rock City Angels, I guess, got signed by Geffen and then just disappeared. And then Johnny Depp became an actor. Yeah. 21 Jump Street happened. That's crazy. Um, I remember when I was – so uh, I, got, I was really, really fortunate a few years ago to actually go and attend the Grammys. And uh, Hollywood Vampires, who Johnny Depp plays with, uh, was playing that night. And so I just remember – the whole night it's like it starts with taylor swift and then there's you know a bunch of other people and i think adele sang and i know i remember kendrick lamar performed because he was the best of the whole night um stellar amazing performance but the volume level for the whole night was like right here until the hollywood vampires played and it just like went through the roof (laughs) like it was just 
balls to the wall loud. Um, and I was like, yes, rock and roll. <laughs> very good live. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's my, that's the closest, that's the closest I've ever, I've ever gotten to Johnny Depp. Never seen him. <laughs> Worth the show. Uh, I have a question. Uh, what was the band you were talking about earlier? The, uh, the Nightlights? The Daylights. Close. The Night Brights? <laughs> as soon as you said that, I, I'm, a, I'm a humorous person. I, all I could think of was like, you know, if, if the record label said no, it's like, did they go home and you, they could change their name to the Nightlights and come back with new songs? Be so, like, how about this? There's a video somewhere. They, they used to be our uh, uh, um, worship band. So, like, the church camp that I grew up going to, they would come and be the worship band there. And so I remember one year I was playing with the little high school band that was – you know, we'd like play in the mornings and then they would come and play at night. And, uh, so we, they, I thought they were the daylights. They, they called themselves the daylights because that's their name, obviously. And so we called ourselves the nightlights, <laughs> but was, we thought we were really clever because we would play during the day and they would only play at night. So it's, we that's were, we where were, my head was at. we were 15 and it was, it was funny to us. Yeah. I'm not 15, and I also enjoyed that story, so thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Somewhere there's a video of us. It's, That's yeah. wonderful. But Share it next time to the page. No. Oh, no, Please the do. only video that I'm going right. to share to the page is Zach and I playing at our graduation. Dude, stop. No, I will. I want to see that. Oh, I'll send it to you. It's glorious. It is. <laughs> it is still to this day one of the best performances i've ever been a part of no it was fun and it was an honor to do it i just it's it's just funny because <laughs> it always brings it up always like, come on dude it was it was <laughs> like it's like a peak it's like everybody else was had you know who was like who was big in 2000 what pop artists were big in 2008 you know they were probably picking like katie perry yeah like they kesha were, they were picking those as their their high school graduation song and we not us pal. we did with a little help from my friends the joe cocker version full band with a choir and a horn section like yeah, it was that was awesome. really cool it was an honor man yeah, it was fun it was really cool so i think we win on that remark except well except for except for your drummer he wins <laughs> for for high school graduation <laughs> my drummer yeah that's yeah but that's that's different oh I thought you were talking to me. I was like, you were my drummer. <laughs> no, 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 Goggins. <laughs> oh, dude, Goggins like just went up a few notches in my book. That's Absolutely. really cool. I didn't know that about him. So, yeah, yeah, he was a little, he was a little kid. I, I met when I first met Zach Goggins, our drummer. I he was twelve years old, and he asked for my autograph. Wow, like that's how little he was when I was still in a band. Who would have thunk that he'd be playing with you? He did. Isn't that nuts? <laughs> I guess he did. Yeah, that's crazy. Hey. Yeah. So I, I met I met him when he was twelve, and I was nineteen. Tw I was nineteen or twenty, and we had just started Righteous Vendetta like two years earlier. And uh, well, he came to see us play. How do you <laughs> we find out? We opened for Hatebreed. Uh, I mean, we were just around. You know, he's from Montana. We were from Wyoming, so we played shows in Montana all the time. Okay. 
He, I mean, he probably discovered you yeah. on MySpace. Um, hey, TJ. MySpace, yeah. Top friends. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, um, so you've been jamming Righteous Vendetta this week, right? Oh, yeah. Some Dude, did, music. I, I, I feel like I've been blabbing all night. I, I did. Did you have any questions or insight? I, I apologize. Oh, uh, I, okay, you're right. It was really it's, Robin. It's, that was it's, Robin. The, it's the popcorn episode. The rockcorn episode. Ad, absolutely. I didn't oh, even yeah, think yeah. I was going to be talking at all. Um, so, anyway. Uh, I guess, uh, well, first of all, Ryan, I think you're the only band I've ever heard of from Wyoming. And no offense to Wyoming. But. I was just about to say the used, and then I was like, no, wait, they're from Utah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, we had Chris Ledoux. Oh, that's right. We play, we play a couple songs yep. in the group that I play in. Yeah, we had Chris Ledoux. But, uh, other than, we had Teenage Bottle Rocket, too, out of Laramie. I don't know if you guys remember that punk band. You I lost did. me on both. Nope. Well, Chris Ledoux's a big country star, was a big country star. And uh, you know Chris Ledoux. Yeah, sing a song. We'll, we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll, what is his most famous song? Like, we'll we'll talk. We'll 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 find. I'll play you some songs afterwards, Zach. Um, after the podcast, because I have, yeah. to, I have to go digging for that. But uh, I know he's got a he's got a song called Caballo Diablo. Um, that was a pretty big one. Uh, we do that with Pauline, the lady that I play with. Um. And then uh, there's yeah he had a he had a bunch of other hits he was real big in the um, what early mid nineties well, didn't he do that famous cover of Life Is a Highway? No, that's Rascal Flatts. Life Flat. Is a Highway. So, uh, yeah, but he did the cover that was like even bigger. Well, Rascal Flatts is a cover. Yeah. So the, there's like a there's like plenty there's a ton of covers of it. Yeah, there's a ton. So you're saying he did a cover of a cover? <laughs> of a cover. Um, okay, now Who's the original? Um. Oh God, who did that? He was in a bed. He was in a band called. Uh, uh, he's from Canada. Oh, why am I blanking on it? We talked about him on an episode of One Hit Wonders. He's a one hit wonder. Um, in a band called the uh, Tim Hortons. No, Red Rider. Uh, he was in the the guy who did Life oh, as a like Highway. The guy who Lunatic Fringe, like that Red Rider. The, yeah, the guy that did Life as a Highway was in Red Rider. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, Tom Cochran. Is that yeah. it? Tom Cochran. Yeah. Um, so Chris Ledoux had this Cowboys hat, uh, Cadillac Ranch, Copenhagen. Um, but this Cowboys hat would be his biggest song. So you're never going to take this yeah. Cowboys hat. So. I'll be dang. It's great. Yeah, He's, Wyoming represent. Yeah. Um, and But then uh, the other band that you mentioned, I do know them as well i didn't know they were from wyoming so yep teenage bottle rocket they were a big big punk band they were they did warp tour tons of years and stuff yeah big punk guy love love me some punk music this is like a yeah long time ago this is probably like 20 years ago that's that's, did y'all do warp somewhere my mom is like doing this (laughs) long long time ago like what are you talking Uh, about we did warp we we didn't do the whole tour. We did uh, we did one show in 2018 and another show I think the next year. Um, they asked us to do it a couple years, but um, it, it we were on other tours at the time and it just didn't make sense because they weren't paying anything and it Warp Tour is miserable because you're driving. If you're not a big band, you're you're driving yourselves and it's eight to ten hours every single night, day after day. It's and hot. We were on other tours and it just wasn't worth it. Yeah, it just wasn't worth it. 
Dude, I've never done Warp Tour. I've went to one Warp Tour in Las Vegas. It was super hot. Mm -hmm. Um, But I... This is not... What... Thanks. What I'm about to say is not my opinion, okay? But I have talked to several touring bands, not naming any names, um, that have... I've heard a lot of horror stories about Warp Tour, about being a miserable experience. So that's why I was asking if you mm-hmm. had been on it or if you could agree to that, disagree to that, or tell me about your experience. 100% agree. 100% agree. Right on. But yep. they put you in front of big yep. crowds. So, I mean, yeah. e- even the, the smallest stage, dude, even had big crowds at it, yeah. you know? Well, it, it, and when oh, I yeah. say small yeah, stages... That stage a couple years. Well, that dude, whole... Go ahead, Zach. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I mean, dude, I, one of the stages is like... A, a pickup truck with a dang trailer on the back, you know? Uh, yeah, there's some small stage. Sh- it's just a fold-out stage. small stages yeah. back there. Uh, well, but there's huge crowds. Yeah. Well, that whole... Yeah? That whole... Um, that whole world, that punk, that pop-punk metalcore, I mean, like, that's a ravenous fan base. And that was one of the first... <laughs> <laughs> Justin Olmstead, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> hey, I think that's the first time anyone's ever been handed a beer on the podcast. And you've had it twice now, right? <laughs> you've had it twice tonight. I haven't even. I have. They're just sitting there. He just keeps handing them to me, but they're just sitting here. I love Justin. Dude, and I keep hitting him with my foot, and I keep kicking him out of the way. <laughs> just... I told him to come into the podcast and just get in the camera and be like. As he should, man. He needs to show off that beard he's growing. Um, now, what is Dude, what is uh, for those of really good for those of that don't know what is what does Justin play and do in uh, Righteous Vendetta? He's the merch so guy. Justin's the original guitar player. Okay, yeah, he's a lights guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, those are he's, very he's not. He people. doesn't. I agree. I agree. Uh, so he was the original guitar touring guitarist and he writes all the songs with me. So, um, he doesn't tour anymore, but, uh, he, he, we still do all the music together. So we've got a studio together. So we're working on that artist. I, I can, I can, right now I at can his see, house in his studio. I can see the studio. It's a, it's a nice looking studio. Yeah. Yeah. It's sweet. Actually. Uh, it's, it's amazing. He's, uh, he, he has the best quality recordings coming out of a trailer house in probably all of America. Wow. Dude. And I can vouch for that. I've I've heard a lot of the mixes that he does, and he does incredible work. Um, am I allowed to say like that he does sync work? Well, I guess I just said it. Um, yeah. He, he does. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I don't know if that was a secret or not, but yeah, he's he's he he's a full time uh, plugger for like TV and film, and he's crushing it. He makes good stuff. Yes. And in, in, in this in this yeah, it's amazing. He's he's amazing, amazing producer and mix engineer. Great beard great beard um does he does he yeah great beard we all strive to be bearded like that someday um oh no i shaved mine off two days ago man i gotta shave this is too much for me oh yeah this is well this is quarantine stuff some of us strive uh i say that i've never seen it so i don't know um but uh does he produce all of your all of the righteous vendetta albums are you guys tracking all that uh, by yourself? No, or? no. So, no, we we usually go track with a buddy of ours in LA. Okay. Um, 
we try to get a completely outside opinion when we're doing stuff that's really close to us. Okay. Um, cause we tend to get in ruts and, uh, but we, we do plan on starting to do our own stuff. Like the next stuff we release is going to be completely self-produced and released mixed by us. Have you guys ever worked with a guy in LA called Eric Ron? No. Okay. When I, I lived in LA for a very brief period of time, but I played with a group out there and we did a few songs with him and he's, uh, he's done some pretty heavyweight acts and it was pretty, it was a fascinating recording experience to work with him because he's very quick at what he does. Okay. Um, he's really good at what he does, yeah. but he's real quick. And that was what like blew my mind. You know, usually I'm, I'm... Can you snap a little bit more. Thank you. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was... We can all snap on this podcast. Yeah. That's good. There you go. I don't know if I'd want to be on it if we all couldn't snap. Um, Welcome to the Snapcast. <laughs> if we ever do like a like a ten minute update, we should just call it a Snapcast. There you go. That's so yeah. lame, but it's awesome a good idea. at the same yeah. time. Um, <laughs> yeah, trademark right here. Uh, but yeah, I was just, I'm just curious. You heard it here first. Yeah, but I was just curious if you'd ever worked with him because yeah, no, he's he's done a he's done a bunch of bands in your genre and uh sure he's great at what he does um but i know he's out in la so um. yeah yeah i mean we've only worked with one guy in la uh, besides all the songwriters people that we worked with just the only guy who's ever produced records for righteous net is mitch marlowe okay. um and and that's it and he's in la no he's in nashville he is. yeah <laughs> no not nashville okay. i wish he was in nashville because I hate going uh, no, to LA. No, that's a legit question. Um, I actually zoned out for a second. Oh, okay. I was uh, I was thinking about something. Did he literally just say he's in LA? Yeah, he was like, he's like, yeah, we, you know, our, our our friend out in LA, and and no, we only work with one guy out in LA. And then you were like, is he in LA? <laughs> like, oh, that's hey, leave it to me <laughs> to ask a question like that. Well, I, I it, it's a legit question <laughs> yeah, <it is>. for me <laughs> because because um, I know you have some contacts in Nashville as well. Uh, that we tried to meet up with when you were there. So I thought maybe you were talking about one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I do I mean, care I, what I got you're a saying, of... and I'm listening. No, you're fine. I have a bunch of you know producer friends out in in L.A. or in Nashville who I, I'd love to do songs with. Um, but uh, it, it, the dudes that we know in Nashville are, are very busy people, and um, producing is kind of their second gig. You know, they're touring musicians, so it's really hard to to make those things happen. Whereas Mitch is just all he does is produce records, so he's always available. Mm-hmm. Right on. Yeah. Well. Yep. That is that is incredible. Yeah. I I, I, hope, to, I hope to meet him sometime. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm being I, serious. You that came him. off as sarcasm. It wasn't. I, I do. You, I do. Wait. All yeah, you people. met him last time we were there. In L.A.? I wasn't in L.A. with you. No, in Nashville. Oh, I thought you, oh, you were talking about Mitch. Yeah, you've never met Mitch. He doesn't go anywhere. Okay. Yeah, he never travels. He just stays home. He's like a homebody. That's me now. I don't leave the house. Yeah, I had. That's I, all of us now. I had to go to <laughs> yeah. you to see. To I had to drive to your house to even like see you. Yeah, hey, what up? Dude, I don't know, man. I got everything I need, you know. Hey, that's that's fair. Yeah, that's I just fair. felt like that guy on King of the Hill. Yeah, man, I'm sitting for my mind. Dang old, <laughs> you know, dang old Boomhauer. 
Well, shucks, man. I mean, I, I don't have any other questions. Um, I, I guess I was hoping for a little bit more of a, a SmackDown, but, you know, I should have known that I have really good people in my life and uh, everyone's super sweet. So <laughs> I, I, I should have known there wasn't going to be any uh, any neck ringing. But, uh, but dude, it was absolute no, honor man. having you on here, man. Thank you so much. And uh, I, I can't Thanks wait for to having again. me anytime. I love I love doing this stuff, man. Any any insight that people might have or some are, you know, younger bands who are looking to do something and want to know what it's like to be signed or what they should do. It's great. I mean, it's good to have this information out there. So people are aware, like, you know, the, these these big record labels are, are not treating your favorite bands well. Yeah. Um, and the one thing and it's it's just something people should know. And the one thing I got a I got an interesting piece of advice or or just not not even advice just kind of like tidbit of knowledge um, that uh, you know you'll you you may you if you're lucky enough as an artist to get to that point where you're sitting in a room and uh, you you they give you a contract they're they're wanting to sign you he said never be afraid to walk away from that deal it, your career's not over if you walk mm-hmm. away from it. Um, because right. it's like, A, always read your contract. And then when you're done reading it, give it to a lawyer. And then when they're done reading it, find another yep. lawyer and have them read it too. Like it, it's And then let your mom yeah. read it. Yeah. Then <laughs> let another lawyer read it. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's one of those things, it's just like, you know, you could kill your career by signing that record deal. So Yeah. You know, walk Most away. people do. Most people do. Yeah. And, and it's it's I think in this yeah. day and age it's it's about it's about uh, you know, hopefully, what what all of this will do will get us back to the to, just to the love of creating art. Um, I know, so, I, man, I hope so. Um, I feel like the music industry is cyclical in that nature. Um, you have eras of of you know art taking over business. Um, you know, uh, no insect attack. Uh, the 80s was a very manufactured time in music, you know, writing hits. And then we had Nirvana come along, who's just pure art and just, you know, like raw, not even good mixes. Like he didn't care. He was just like, did what he did. And then we had the, the entire grunge era, you know, and then we start circling back and, you know, you get Nickelback and now we're back into this era now, you know, where we had Kesha and Katy Perry, this completely manufactured sound. Even metal bands now are more manufactured than, that yeah you know like it's all fake drums it's all auto-tuned vocals it's, it's all completely manufactured so i think we're coming into an era again of creation and passion and art i think we're coming back into that world um at least cyclically so hopefully we need that new band we need that next nirvana like who's that going to be and that's i think that's where we're at right now i i hope i hope it is where we're at because uh I think the world really needs it. I think the world needs mm-hmm. true art, not this like manufactured businessman in a suit going, this is what you're going to like. And don't get me wrong. I mean, there's been yeah. songs like I can tell you that Maroon five is probably one of the most, like I love their first album, but then everything after that you can tell is like the record labels getting in there, but there's their song sugar, man. I could jam that thing all time. That, that, the the, the oh, industry great nailed that. So yeah, right. The industry nailed. There's that always one. those good songs. Oh, yeah. And, 
there's nothing against manufactured songs like those producers and those people that write those songs and perform them they're amazing artists in themselves yeah. just being able to do that being able to appeal to an audience like that that's an art in itself right ryan tedder um, is my prime example of that the lead singer of one republic is mm-hmm. like he's a grammy award-winning songwriter producer i mean the guy knows how to craft a pop song and a lot of his stuff is really yep. good so yes absolutely but ton um, of it is man it's you know I love it all, man. I, yeah. But I am ready. I'm I'm ready for like another a new rage, you know, rage against the machine kind of style, so, kind of stuff, you know. Did you did you, uh, like? I I think we're, I can I can see we're kind of like at that point of like wrapping up. I'll, this will be the last thing, uh, from me. So I read this thing. Um, someone posted was like, well, I can no longer listen to Rage Against the Machine. They've gotten political, and Tom Morello, uh, Tom Morello himself caught like commented on it. And goes, what what fucking machine did you think we were raging against <laughs> like <laughs> that's ridiculous and I'm like, that is hilarious and it was like recently it was within the last like six or seven months it's like because of like the last couple of weeks even yeah it was just hilarious someone just Funny. not paying attention that's <laughs> some people are just kind of dumb <laughs> yeah. that's about it yeah dude I'm just. It's, I was, I was, no, I'm not gonna say it. Never mind. All right. That's too late. You gotta know. It's too late. You gotta say. No, that. I was just. I was just saying. There's a podcast I listen to, and at the end of it, um, uh, there's like a a, a catchphrase that th- this particular podcast makes their their guests say, and I was trying to think like, what what would our guests say? Like, my name's Ryan Hayes, and I've been detained. Like, what do you? <laughs> What do you say? Like, my name's Ryan. I ain't saying that. He wasn't. I've been spanked. Like, what do you, what do you do at detention? I wasn't tardy. That's it. My name's Ryan Hayes, and I was not tardy. There you go. I'm not saying that. (laughs) I wouldn't either. Okay, fine. My name's Ryan Hayes, and I'm, (laughs) and I'm not tardy. Through it. Oh man. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for putting up with me, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm goofy. Okay. Hey. Look, I, I know how to be cool on stage. Like I can, I can be cool on stage. But in real life, dude, I'm, I'm a dang teddy bear, man. You know that. Well, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned the goofy. Of course, it's, yes. It's funny you mentioned the goofy thing because before the podcast started, Ryan and I were talking about D and D. It's like talking about Dungeons, yeah. and Dungeons and Dragons. It's like, oh, we're just. I don't even know what D and D is. I was like D and D. Yeah. So. And you're missing out on a big chunk of life that's amazing. I've never even played it. I want to play it. But, yeah, I could even tell you you're missing out. I'll play, oh. D- I'll play D&D anytime, any, anywhere, anytime. That's that's wonderful. And I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much for being here. Everybody that tuned in, thank you, thank you, thank you. We do appreciate you. Uh, be sure to subscribe, smash that bell. And uh, God bless you all. We'll see you next week. Mr. TJ. Thank you. Thank you all. Love you all. You're the best. Ryan, thanks for joining. And uh, like us, dislike us, whatever. We don't care. If you dislike us, we're doing something right. But anyways. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Over to you, Robin. Uh, a dislike is, is, is still, you know, someone someone felt an emotion deep enough that they needed to go click a button and tell the world, I did not like this. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, 
Ryan, thank you so much for coming on. This was a, a wonderful conversation, and I'm sure that every time we talk, we'll we'll, we'll get more in depth with it and all. Um, but if you haven't, if, if, course. if, if for those of you listening, if you have not gone and listened to, uh, righteous vendetta, please go take a listen to them. Um, Ryan is, is be, over this last week has become one of my absolute favorite vocalists He's a phenomenal singer. And, uh, the music is just perfect. So, um, but yeah, so thank you so much for coming on. Uh, thank you. I'm Robin. Of course. And for those of you wondering, yes, that is a fully automatic Nerf gun in the corner. <laughs> so, all right. No one was wondering. <laughs> Everybody was Still. wondering. <laughs> 12 days in. Still. Actually, I, I kind of was, but. <laughs> Let me have this, Zach. <laughs> but, uh, all right. Class dismissed. <laughs> Are we done? Now we're done.